Hello and welcome back to In Football Terms for our awards special. We've had voting occurring over the past uh, two, three weeks for uh, three awards that we're going to be announcing today that were voted on, which is the, the Ballon d'Or, uh, the failed negotiation of the year and the unused potential of the year. There's also going to be another three awards which were not voted on, which are going to be picks from myself and Erling Haaland, which were for the, uh, the most media attention received this year the most used stadium that we saw this year, and also the longest negotiation of this year. Yeah, and this is a good one because the main one that everyone is excited to hear is the Ballon d'Or, so I think we'll we'll leave that till last because that, that is what all the fans want to see, and I'm quite excited to announce that one. Um, and other than that, this will be a good one because this is the first time we've really put into, um, into a few awards everything we've seen this year. That's that's a very good point. And let's go with the unused potential of the year first. And just to talk through some of the nominees, we had uh, free agent Hayworth, we had free agent O'Leary, we had free agent Thompson, and we also had free agent Gogov. And I think all of these, uh, all these players, there's a, there's a clear reason why they were nominated. And I think what was also really outstanding in these is that it wasn't just potential and you know they attempted a move and it didn't come out and you know possibly some flops in there these are all really truly unused potential laid back they have really not even attempted to have a sign they've for most of these really haven't even had a negotiation and what the common trend here is i think that's kind of their philosophy as a footballer for for the majority of them because we see people like Hayworth and O'Leary and, and Gogov, who really just haven't even done that for any of their career. They haven't even really looked at signings ever before and they've just been happy as free agents and that's how they've settled. But from a from an observatory point of view, from a journalist point of view, they're players that I feel like deserve signings. But it's just, it, you know, obviously everyone knows in this game you have to you have to have the confidence to actually take that step forward and Maybe not even it may not even be a confidence thing. It's just genuinely they don't want a signing. So um, yeah, but let's talk through some individually who you believe would get your vote. So when I was looking at this, I was uh, I was actually looking at at free agent Thompson as a big one. And what's what's happened with him is we have seen in the past that he has looked at some. Uh, at some moves and wanting to uh, and wanting to get a transfer, I don't think it's specifically his whole philosophy which is against that. Um, but what it is is more. I think this year, he's um, he's kind of looked more towards um, towards other players, not not as signings obviously, but what he could have maybe got out of a transfer, he's found in in a good close yeah. He's found group relationships players. with players and built relationships with them, and I agree. And I think. He has that kind of light skin philosophy that is is very popular in today's today's game, but what we see with a lot of them is they they're really just happy in being themselves. And with with Thompson, we see that he is a very good bloke to the people the people that surround him and his agents and and friends in the game. And he just if he if he tried hard enough, I really think he he could use the potential he has. But oh, one hundred percent. This year he hasn't. Um, and then moving on to another one with O'Leary. We've seen him New earlier this year, this year come come down from from 
um, northern Queensland, and or was it even Northern Territory? Correct me Northern if I'm wrong. Northern Territory, I believe. Yes, yeah, so he's come down a bit of a crocodile Dundee philosophy with him, um, and you know found himself early days very much an attraction to many clubs, but no more than that. Well, yeah, that and that's I think something that is uh, quite unique to to players transferring into leagues because what what clubs want when signing a player is they want to you know you know they want to know what player they're getting and when you're that new to the league it that's pretty much impossible so all it is is uh you know on the face of it uh does this player have some potential and i think that's really is the case with with o'leary we saw him get a lot of media attention from the clubs when he entered the league earlier this year but what i have to uh, really say with o'leary this year is He's put a lot of time into improving himself as a player. We see him at at um at, at the Cavendish Road Stadium in, you know, break times when that would usually be an opportunity for some possible negotiations. We see him take himself up to the library to work on his own game. And that is something that I think um you've got to respect in the in the sense that he's really building his philosophy for the future. And he's not wanting to waste time on negotiations and moving to clubs too soon. Yeah, and I think what's obvious with him is his philosophy is very much let's focus on math and let's focus on rap music. And we've seen him really, really attempt to build quite a, a game in the rap music industry and we know he's working with friends to do that. And I think, I think for him that's... That's not a bad move because maybe maybe if fame were to to follow him through through that industry, maybe then he will he'll find some some very um, high class. Science. It could be kind of a future investment, an investment in the future because yeah. if his rap career does come come to fruition, then that just opens a whole new world of opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Let's move to free agent Hayworth now. I think this would be one of the favorites for for winning this award. Um, a player that is known to pretty much every single club. Um, but so far, that's kind of all it has been. Free agent Hayworth is known, is is admired by many clubs, I'd say. But again, I think this comes down to the player not initiating those, those first moves. Yeah. And I think what, what he has that's very different to others is he... He is the closest we've seen to the negotiations with clubs without anyone considering it negotiations. He's very much a best friend to many clubs. And what's ironic is many of those best uh, many of those clubs, you know, may may be open to him being more than just a best friend. And I think he just hasn't really recognized that. And I know personally I've I've made him aware of that countless times and many other many other agents around him have. But I, he just—I think he lives a bit far away as well. He, you know, his location that he kind of plays at mainly is is quite far away. So for him to travel all the way, all the way down to see those clubs are a bit out of the way for him. So maybe we're looking at a post eighteen years old kind of. Similarly, along those lines, with um, with the the time that it takes with that commute that he does have to make, I think what what Hayworth has possibly recognised here is that the time and effort and uh, uh, just simply the hassle that a negotiation would bring onto him cannot incorporate into his 
um, extremely busy life. You know, we see him traveling, you know, an hour and a half, two hours a day for football training, school, etc. And there's just not, there's not uh, abundance of space to work in a negotiation into that. So I think that's also another factor to that one. And then our last nominee, which I think was possibly a surprise nominee, um, was was free agent Gogov. Um, but I think especially from, uh, you know, being in his presence in the in the football changing rooms, I think there is some potential there. I think that's a very uh, that's a very individual comment because for some they would see see the height as a very big problem in signing because we know we we've seen with many players you know look at Lionel Messi currently small bloke but certainly certainly achieving big things and. But initially, early on in his career, that really stunted any chance of him being signed for a big club. And we're seeing the same with Gogov here because, yes, I agree, he definitely has potential. But will this will this height just constantly hold him back? Because we know clubs do like a, a taller attacking striker rather than a smaller left wing back. That's so, true. You know, I think, you know, without giving anything away too much, maybe his potential will will spike in the next few years but as of now it was unused but what it was at the most i'm not too sure and i think that's definitely a, a current and in-trend philosophy is you know strikers with a bit more height i think maybe in the future as as clubs and their philosophies mature over time they would be open to looking at at you know other other types of strikers but at the moment um we are seeing maybe the height just being a slight issue for gogov which is unfortunate because it really is uh, is not doing justice to some of the other other potential that that player has. So let's let's announce it now, um, and I'll give I'll give this one to you to announce, uh, Erling. Um, what who was who won the vote for our unused potential of the year? Yeah, so twenty twenty two unused potential of the year goes to free agent Hayworth, and I think. Summing up what we've just said, that that's a brilliant that's a brilliant selection. Yeah, me too. And you know, he he did get this with uh, a big percentage of the vote as well. Sixty two percent voted for for free agent Hayworth, and I think that um, is a reflection of how known he is in the game as well. Um, anyone who would have who would have seen the voting for unused potential came up, seen free agent Hayworth's name there. They would. They know who that player is. He's very on the radar of, of a, a wide variety of clubs, and I think that was reflected in the voting. And it was a well, well deserved victory for Hayworth there. Yep. And now to the next one. Obviously, we have a few to get through. The next one, I think we'll choose to do uh, failed negotiation. Yep. We'll go to failed negotiation, and then we'll go through our. Our host picks, and then and then we'll finish up with the Ballon d'Or. So the failed negotiation. I think this is a uh, um, an award that possibly um, gains quite a lot of attention in the in the market, simply because people were often quite uncomfortable with bringing up transfers that failed yeah. for for some reason, just because you know pulls at a few heartstrings there, possibly. But um, I think it's something that that should be done because there was a lot of in many of these 
there's a lot of time and feelings invested into these into these negotiations um and it has and it played played a big part in many of these uh players and clubs seasons so let's go through the nominees that we have here um and our first one was the earliest one out of these and it was a Bamiyang to PSG yeah and i think i think this one had a lot of media well the, the common trend with all these failed negotiations is there was a lot of media attention because for many of these, it almost looked like a sign that would happen. But the whole idea of it being failed, obviously it didn't. And the first one with the Bamiyang to PSG, I think this one was a bit, you know, thought of a bit differently between player and club. We saw Bamiyang really believe that this is going to be something. And obviously in one of our episodes, speaking to PSG, it was made aware that maybe they didn't see it quite the same. So I think this really was quite a miserable uh, negotiation for mainly a bombing because I think PSG sat tight and knew where they were in this whole situation. Um, but give me your take on it. Well, I think the insight that we did get from PSG through, um, from what I've heard and also our interview, which we did get with the club representatives, was that if uh, there wasn't this external factor that was the transferring of leagues, this could have actually played out played out quite differently. But I think that was a um, an idea that that really guided the philosophy of PSG throughout these negotiations. They knew from even months, actually, from what I knew before Aubameyang entered into negotiations, that there was not going to be any movement in, in the market before yeah, and I think uh, that before was just, the transfer of leagues. I think that was just lost in translation because that wasn't, you know, that obviously wasn't communicated very clearly to Aubameyang or maybe he was a bit... Uh, blinded by what his agents were telling him and you know that also could have played a factor but that certainly is up there for for one of the the failed negotiations of 2022 moving to the second one now we've actually have our own Fabrizio to Dortmund and I think this was a very short negotiation but it saw it saw quite a substantial failure yeah I think it did and um you you actually said something before about um uh, some of these receiving a fair amount of media attention. I think this one didn't receive a quite as much as some of the other ones simply because it was shorter. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, there was a, you know, there's a few uh, external factors that played into this, um, some club philosophies, and, you know, I would take the like to take the opportunity to address a fan rumour, which I did hear going around, with that was uh, I, Fabrizio, did in fact um, abuse the club on closing of negotiations, and I would like to say that that was that was a false rumor. There was false zero abuse, false allegations. There was zero abuse. Um, merely a friendly, a, a, friendly close of negotiations. Uh, well, look, it was yeah. I think it was uh, clearly understood by both parties, and if anything, there was a, a calling out from myself of some negotiation tactics, which I believe yeah. to be somewhat misleading yeah or not part of the league you want to be a part of um but look that was that was that was a, f- a good few weeks so, ago now and so you know, do we're you well believe do you believe that this is a touchy topic anymore or do you have you really kind of spoken to your counselors and really got a good understanding on how to move past this well yeah i've i've employed some really good people around me to guide me through this heartbreak um uh and Seeing as I did nominate myself for this award, I would say that the that the uh, subject is not too not too touchy. And on Dortmund's side of things, 
as we touched on in the last episode, entering into some negotiations of their own. So I think uh, that one's well moved past. To the next, to the next nominee, which was Mario Goetze to Hoffenheim, and this one has done without wanting to give away some results. It's done incredibly well for for um how how much influence shall I say that both these parties have on the market because I would never have expected this this nominee to do as well as they have but I think the fact that both uh both parties are so well liked uh in our game really uh really um is reflected in the results that we've seen I think what we saw here was early days for Mario Goetze. This was really his 2014 World Cup goal, uh, where, you know, got so much media attention for that. Literally two weeks later, lost it all, and had a club at his hands in Hoffenheim. Had it there. Hoffenheim were actually quite interested in the player. And honestly, I think it was just a lack of game. No, like- no, no. I can actually provide some insight on this. And I can, to, to, back, up, to back up Mario Goetze on this one, it is another case of external factors coming into play. A second nominee in which we saw the main reason why the transfer has not worked out is an overseas transfer. That I've seen... Yes, I've seen, you could, you could have, blame it on that. No, I, you can wholly blame it on that. I've seen leaked information. And that, that, was, that was pretty much the sole reason why this transfer didn't work out. The... The uh, the club Hoffenheim in this situation saw on the horizon their overseas move, and you know we're going to see it with with you even yourself Erling in in you know a month or two having to go overseas for a period of weeks. But in your case, you will be able to cope with that fine because of that uh, prior you know prior time that you have at playing at your club. But when the negotiations would be so new, like in these two scenarios that we've seen here, I think it's been. In both scenarios, uh, probably the right decision and quite mature decisions from the club to to not pursue uh, these players. However, to be fair to Mario Goetze, he did release some negotiations uh, and some game which I did not think possible. He did manage to, you know, get into a into a position with this transfer that I don't think many others would have been able to because of the unique philosophy that. Uh, Hoffenheim has and if it was not for the overseas transfer I think this could have similar to Aubameyang ended quite differently I suppose where my mind goes with this is after this one we saw a quick quick negotiation with Crystal Palace as well and I think for me the trend in both of these is that it just the game just hasn't worked for him and I think he needs he does need some some agents around him that will actually provide him with a good tree diagram that will actually help him secure a deal. Well, that hasn't actually been the problem. The tree diagrams have been provided, but it's just the following through with those tree yeah, diagrams. Yeah, I think it's the... Yeah. Because yeah. I think what um, what uh, Mario Goetz's philosophy is very much, you know, he's uh, somewhat of a, a people pleaser in the sense that doesn't want to say the it's wrong not thing. not a massive risk taker. Mm, um, yeah. Wants to keep the the reputation well intact, which is completely fair enough. But sometimes that that philosophy is taken slightly too far. When we see, you know, um, for example, the weather being talked about for for weeks on end, and just not taking it any further than that, 
I think you build a trusting relationship with your club, but possibly not one that makes them want to lead towards a negotiation. And I think that's what happened in the Crystal Palace side of things. Not so much in the Hoffenheim side of things because I think their philosophy is quite similar as well. They do not look to sign many players whatsoever. So, and, you know, they may not be comfortable signing many players. So to feel comfortable with a player is something that they do not gain very often. So I think that was a breath of fresh air that Mario Goetze provided to our last nominee, which was a late nominee, actually. We saw um, the only real reason why this came onto our radar was some, you know, drama happening in the comments section of our Instagram page between these between these two parties, and that was Akraf Hakimi and Inter Milan. Yeah, I think, honestly, we don't know too much about this, so we've got to be careful what we say here because I don't want to step in the wrong line because, obviously, I'm a close contact with Lukaku as well, and um, and after our trip to Spain, I feel like we've built a very good bond, so the last thing I want to do is ruin that. Um, so any controversial things will be said by Fabrizio. Um but yeah, I think Inter Milan is a beautiful club and I think Ak- Akraf Hakimi has, you know, he's got good game and, and he's a very good footballer, but it just was never, it was never going to work and um, Inter Milan obviously saw Lukaku on the horizon, chose to take that path and think that's ended up being the very, very much the correct path, which became a nominee in the Ballon d'Or because of how well that's gone. I think in this case, Hakimi and Inter Milan were almost similarly on the same page that they just wanted quick achievements and that was about as far as it went. Yeah, I think it was almost um, slightly unfair to put this as a complete failed negotiation because I think it was never quite going in that direction and I think to a, to a point that was that was known by both, by both the player and the club in this sense. They both knew that it was kind of, you know almost a, more of a loan signing um but look that's where that one went and uh we need to announce this one now so of our four nominees i will have to actually give this to you harlan to announce this because um the alternative would uh be uh, somewhat uncomfortable for myself so erling harland who was our in football terms failed negotiation of 2022 Yep, without further ado, Fabrizio to Dortmund with a whopping 62% again. The first two awards have been by majority, so well done, Fabrizio. Not not the one award I would like to receive, but well done. Uh, moving to the next one now, these are going to be host picks, so what me and Fabrizio have decided on, and hopefully this won't cause any um, any crazy drama. I think we have sliced some of the ones that may have caused more drama. Yeah, which is probably good for our reputation. Uh, so we'll start with most media attention. And Fabrizio, talk us through just quickly kind of the who the nominees in our minds were and then take us away with the, the overall award. Yeah, look, so most media attention, this is more looking at actual transfers rather than individuals because I think individuals is slightly more up to interpretation and, and who you surround yourself with. Um but I think all all nominees that we saw for the Ballon d'Or could have been talked about for for the most media attention, some more than others. Um, I think some failed negotiations could also be talked about for for most media attention as well. Um, but I think because of the influence that um, both of the the winners have over the game, um, I think they were 
they were deserving of the most media attention award because of the um their their advisors and and their fans how their advisors and fans reacted to this because it was also a a slight surprise at least from my perspective not so much for people close to a close to the club in this scenario that this transfer did actually work out in the end and it's also without wanting to offend anyone slightly um slightly happily surprising to me just how well this transfer is going yeah well i think the reason this got a lot of media attention was because we saw kind of one of the biggest players in the game join not not a small club but a club with little less media attention previously and this this uh this transfer really kicked off other players looking in the same kind of area and uh group as as the club that this player decided to go with so without trying to find other words to use the most media attention goes to Richarlison to Tottenham Hotspur and i think uh that was a really good point that you just made there with this Richarlison to Tottenham Hotspur transfer, combined with Jesse Lingard's move to Nottingham Forest, really started a trend. As we see a lot um, in all aspects of life, the biggest the biggest players and names set the trends, and they really did set the trend in this sense. In that the um, the close uh, and not not even so close, just surrounding advisors of Tottenham, all wanting to get in on on players in the market and that's kind of come to fruition. Yeah, now we in. and now we see only a few clubs in that group kind of left over with many of them either taken or in negotiations. Um and just before I forget, I just want to just want to praise how well they've done though getting past Massively. that media attention because I know from personal experience sometimes media attention is what breaks the whole transfer. In their case, they almost thrived in it and and um really made it half the reason why it was a success. To link that to the next one, we actually have a double up here on awards, so there's no need to kind of surprise anyone. Most used stadium, basically, where we've seen the most action sort of happen. Um, and we've seen this at White Hart Lane at Tottenham Stadium, um, where Richarlison's really got, got a lot of game time. But I think that's been, you know... They they've really uh, organised this well and and it's really it's really done well and I'm I'm actually really quite glad to see this one still continuing still going strong and you know this although it sounds like this you know was the was the easy winner there's been a few that we've seen you know Lukaku to Inter there's been um, you know a fair bit of play there um, even as of late Lingard and Nottingham there's been a few. Um, few games played there as well and there's you know there's been all sorts elsewhere but I think it's just been the main I think also the one point that we should make here is just because it got the most media attention award doesn't mean that it's all you know glitz and glamour and there's no actual um you know volume to this transfer I think it's working out amazingly for both the player and the club and all that we can hope is that that continues into the future um, the last host pick award is the longest negotiation and the winner of this one actually, you know, the dotted line has not been signed yet. So I think that, you know, well, with this award, it, it doesn't necessarily have to end in a transfer, but either way, um, this would win it. But the negotiations are still, I believe, continuing. Um, I think this is a transfer that we want to see happen, but the negotiations must be entering the two-month, two-and-a-half-month point 
Oh, honestly, and I'm honestly very impressed that the two haven't just got sick of each other because, you know, negotiations aren't easy because it, it means you have to constantly be putting your best foot forward. And as an attacking player that we see in this one from the player, you know, you can't just constantly score goals all the time and you can't just constantly impress the club. So to hold on to that for two and a half months, three months is honestly very, very impressive. Because um, we saw the likes of Aubameyang to PSG, which really honestly dragged on. And that was a fairly long negotiation. But, we, you know, we saw by the end of it, Aubameyang put the wrong foot forward and PSG chose to, you know, make him aware and choose that that, that wasn't the direction. We saw previously that um, Gilfie was also talking to PSG and he... That, uh, again, was a long... That, again, was a very long one, but to put the wrong wrong foot forward. And without giving anything away... Take us away. Yeah, so the longest negotiation, I think, is is clear, and that has been this year. Gilfie Sigurdsson to West Ham. We've talked about this one before. We've dedicated a whole episode to it, and I think that's how... Um, that really speaks to how much this transfer... You know, we kind of thought it was going to happen. Yeah, because when, when we made that episode, we really believed that it was, it was going to be a success sign within the next few days, and... Here we are a few weeks later. And, and I think nothing. to the fans, that would have been the impression that they got as well. Um, and especially given the type of player that Gilfie is, you know, I think many people would have assumed that he's a type of player with the philosophy that's just, we're going to get this done and we're going to make achievements and, you know, it's going to be a good transfer. We don't need to worry about, you know, possibly knowing each other the best because that will happen into the future. But I think, as we predicted in that episode, actually, West Ham have been a bit of a mother figure, not just in the negotiate in the transfer, which hasn't actually happened yet, but in the even in the negotiation phase, um, West Ham being a mother figure, putting off, um, putting off making uh, it official, getting the dotted line signed until uh, they're sure that the player that they are signing is one that matches their philosophy. And I think the plus side of that is it will be a very sustainable uh, transfer in the future. Yep. And now to the big one. To the big one that everyone's been talking about has really gone quite, um, gotten quite a lot of media attention in itself. The Ballon d'Or. And the Ballon d'Or, we have five nominees, which were Lukaku to Inter Milan, Wood, uh, Chris Wood to Newcastle, Richarlison to Tottenham, Jesse Lingard to Nottingham Forest and myself to Man City. Um, there was very tight competition in this one. Yeah, and I think you can see why. Because there are five transfers that you just said that all uh, have specificities to them that make them deserving of the Ballon d'Or. And I think they're all quite different. You look at uh, one of our first episodes, Chris Wood to Newcastle, one that no one would have predicted, came pretty much out of thin air, um, but has continued really quite successfully, but also somewhat under the radar. And, you know, just talking about the the um, requirements of winning the Ballon d'Or, you're looking at uh, big players and, and big transfers, but also successful transfers. So some have got, some have got nominated because they're successful. Some have got nominated just because of the sheer size of the transfer. Um, and I think the winner will be somewhat a mix of both. But let's just go through the nominees. Starting with, uh, let's 
go a bit more in-depth on, on Chris Wood and Newcastle. Yeah, well, as you said, I did not predict this. You did not predict this. No one predicted this. And that's partly why I really kind of wanted to see this one do well. And it's still really doing well. And we were speaking just before this podcast about how well it actually has done. Um, and I think from Wood's perspective, you know, I don't think he was ever looking for Newcastle. But he he found he found them and Newcastle found Chris Wood and it's become the perfect match almost, um, and you know still doesn't have much media attention. Um, I I'm not one to say whether they have had game time or not like too much of it. Um, I know that there's certainly visits to Newcastle Stadium fairly often and and vice versa, but. Uh, but honestly, I there's not much more to say other than I'm really enjoying this one. It's a it's a very solid transfer that I think once the transfer did go through, if you had to predict, you know, if it was to be successful, I think many would say that, you know, once it got done and you could see how much both the player and the club were enjoying uh, each other, that this would be a success and that's definitely come to fruition. Our next nominee, which ones that we we won't go too much in depth because we've just talked about them there, Richarlison to Tottenham Hotspur. I think initially you may have thought this got nominated just because of the the size of the parties involved, but this has, especially in recent times, we've seen um, been in in transfer sense as well, super successful. Yeah, honestly, there's not much more to say. We spoke in their episode. Uh, made specifically for them that Richarlison is a man that certainly play, you know, constantly working on his game, constantly in the gym, constantly working on strength. And that this is this has been a very long transfer now, well, a fairly fairly decent transfer now. And that has not gotten in the way of that whatsoever. So I think, you know, you have to really praise the fact that it's it's been going so well and from Richarlison's point of view has not stunted any uh personal development. Moving on to our third nominee, which is Jesse Lingard to Nottingham Forest. And you talk about a fan favourite transfer, and this is really it. I mean, the Nottingham Forest is a loved club, excellent fan base. And Jesse Lingard is a player that uh, I think has the respect of all all of his teammates and, and for good reason as well. Yeah, Jesse Lingard, I know that he's a man that would never really be on the search too significantly. He He was, once upon a time, unused potential. And has been for a fair while but this one really just snuck up on him and I think Nottingham Forest uh you know the stars aligned before they actually knew about it and uh you know this is a transfer that they're now super happy with and as of late they've really started to improve on their game I know Jesse's now seeing the club a lot more than previously I would have thought or even he would have thought there's been a lot of stadium visits Nottingham Forest seem to be super happy with this one. Fans seem to be super happy with this one. And honestly, there's not too many negatives I could find with this because I was trying to think about it just for the sake of content. But honestly, you know, there, there isn't too much I could I could knock them. We're obviously currently in an international break at the moment. And I think all that will do with these transfers that have, um, that have already, where the dotted line has already been signed, all that does is improve the transfer because there's, uh, endless amounts of time to spend with with the club to improve your game for the club. You know, there is a lot more uh, stadiums available to play at. Um, I think for, for players that are not currently at a club, it is a difficult period for them. 
but for for transfer players uh it's a real opportunity to to just really strengthen that relationship that you have with your club the fourth nominee um is is yourself in fact erling and we were also talking about about this transfer for a possible another award which was going to be you know a clutch up moment because that's really how we saw this transfer start it was about two three months ago at this point um and there was quite a lot of drama surrounding it mainly internal drama i think that you you and the the club did really well to to not leak any of the information and the the drama that was happening but i think ever since we've got over that that hurdle there's absolutely no complaints about this one at all and it's going it's going as well as i think anyone who would have known your history with man city would have expected yeah, and to be honest, I think what people f- do forget though is that there's been a lot of history. Obviously, I played in the academy, and a lot was a lot was kind of sorted out then, and it's just being put into place now. Um, and I think what what will be difficult with this one that that we don't see with many others is obviously I've just taken two weeks off um, in Spain developing my own game. We're seeing in January, I'm off again to England for three and a half weeks to develop my own game again, potentially in May back to England to, to develop my own game for a third time. And then even potentially in July, uh, and this will be a leaked information, but hopefully that there's a, there's a chance that Man City can, can join me on that permanent move in July to England. Obviously that's a very bold statement to say for now, but, um, yeah, I think they're going to be the main factors that could could uh, kind of have an issue in this later along the line. But as for now, and honestly, for the future, it's been it's going super well, and I don't really see it stopping anytime soon. And uh, honestly, I think even an overseas move wouldn't wouldn't necessarily stop it. The unique thing with this transfer, as you as you touched on before, it's the only one where we've kind of seen prior history i don't think any of the other nominees have had that that same academy experience that you have and i think you're definitely bringing that into your transfer um this time round. um i think all of the the building blocks for a successful transfer were made in the academy and that's that's what we're seeing now the last transfer um is romelu lukaku to inter milan do you want to talk about this one for me? Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, this is a very close, close agent, close friend of mine um, in Romelu. And I've never seen the guy so happy. He He's he's loving his time at Inter Milan and it's going so strong. And previously, he's not a man that takes many stadium visits. Uh, you know, he's more for public game time. But in this scenario, he's, he's just loving life visiting Inter Milan Stadium and... Um, you know, whether it's for games, whether it's for training, whether it's just for, for a meeting. And he just, he seems so happy. And um, I know Inter Milan, you know, they're, they're very much wanting to keep this private, not wanting to uh, leak too much information, which I think is a solid philosophy and one that will suit Romelu very well because too much leaked media attention, uh, you know, could affect Lukaku's reputation. Um, but I this one... I think the I think what you have to mention with this is it's come up so late and it's only been going for for a few few weeks maybe a month now 
and that just shows how well it's done because we've obviously picked five of the best transfers we could we could think of, and you know this one's came onto our radar fairly late. And I think that is all that is is a testament to how successful it's been because I think many would have ruled it out for Ballon d'Or contention because of how recent it was. So it's really taken a super successful stint from uh, Romelu Lukaku and his new club Inter Milan to to get themselves in contention for this award. Um, and I think the sheer successfulness of it definitely puts them in strong contention coupled with um, their fan bases and, and how well they are known in our game. Um, definitely puts them in contention for winning today. Yep, and we'll just head to an ad break before we announce the Ballon d'Or, uh, just to keep you on your toes. So stay stay through the ad break, and we'll get back to you. And back after the break... Um, Obviously, the news you have all been waiting for is the announcement of the Ballon d'Or. Fabrizio, announce this one. So the winner of the In Football Terms Ballon d'Or 2022 goes to Jesse Lingard in his move to Nottingham Forest. I think this is incredibly well-deserved. Uh, I've talked before about wanting to find a balance between successfulness and size of transfer, fan attention, media attention, and I think this transfer ticks all of those boxes super successful and I think both the player and the club are loved by all their fans and and as a result and by extension this transfer is loved by all their fans yeah and later on the Instagram um, and other social media platforms will release the the interviews that we have with them or just just quick comments they have to say about their success winning this Ballon d'Or um, but we thought it was also good to mention the top three and and this one was extremely tight. I did not expect it to be such a tight race, but there was one vote in it between them and Lukaku to Inter Milan. Again, saying a lot about the transfer Lukaku has made. And, you know, we, we saw 89 votes to Lingard and Nottingham Forest and 88 votes to Lukaku to Inter Milan. So we really saw fans get behind this one, and I'm very grateful for that. So thank you to all the fans that got behind this one. Um, And then myself in third position, um, which I'm very grateful for, and I'm sure Mancy will be very happy about. Yeah, very good point. And I think the, the, um, the fan and media attention and support that we saw getting behind these votes for for all the awards that we've announced today have really made it that much more special. Yeah. You know, with with the results that we've got, I think they have actually reflected what me and you, Erling, were thinking anyways, which is which is something quite unique. You know, we haven't had too much piss taking in the votes. It's all been quite it's all been quite from the heart and we've seen some quite uh very much um you know reasonable results come out and not just reasonable but but really what we would have thought. And um, like you were saying, with the, the three Ballon d'Or nominees there, um, with Jesse Lingard winning it, I think it's it's a testament to the work that he's put in with Nottingham Forest. It was a fairly short negotiation when when compared to, to some others we've seen. 
Um, and I think that's help it, helped it stay as sustainable as possible looking into next year. Um, I think, you know, we may even be seeing this transfer nominated next year for a second time round for Ballon d'Or contention. And that would be quite outrageous if that happened. But, you know, that I think that would be fair enough. Um, and when we do our Christmas special, we will again go through quick highlights about this season um, and about, uh, you know, the Ballon d'Or and we'll see how that's affected them moving forward. And uh, that that will, yeah, that will be probably just after Christmas. Um, I've really enjoyed this one. So thank you, Fabrizio, for, for having me once again. Um, and stay tuned. Thank you very much, Erling. Thank you for listening. And yeah, keep, keep an ear out for the Christmas special and more episodes looking into the new year. And Merry Christmas if we do not have an episode before then. And if you celebrate that. Yes. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah.